0: Good morning and welcome to this time of worship. I'm sure glad that each of you are present today. I'm looking forward to this time of worshiping together. Many things going on in the life of our church these days, and you can read about all those both inside the bulletin as well as on the back, but I want to remind you of the change of schedule for this afternoon. In lieu of the 7 p.m. service, we're having church worship at 4 p.m. today, okay? Okay. So don't say we're not having church and don't stay home and and skip church, but seize this opportunity to have a very special time of worship together. Invite your friends, your neighbors, your family to come and to be a part of the time of worship. Then invite them to go with you to the watch party over at the Family Life Center or in your home if you choose to have a watch party there. Let me uh, say this, that if you are coming to the watch party in the Family Life Center, please be sure and bring enough snacks for your family and your guests. Let's have a great time together with our Lord at four o'clock this afternoon. And then uh, ladies, single ladies, if you're interested in being a part of the single women's conference that it talks about there on the back of the bulletin, please read that and please be sure and register for that by tomorrow. You can register through the church office, but don't fail to register by tomorrow. It looks like a wonderful opportunity for single ladies. If you're 55 and over, 55 plus, You're invited to the teenagers meeting this Tuesday. A little bit different schedule from the normal teenagers meeting. Our teenagers group is hosting the senior adults from the whole association. And so you're invited to be here at 1130, bring a covered dish, going to have a wonderful time together with fellowship with uh, senior adults from all over Bryan Baptist Association. Please be sure and notice all of the other announcements listed both there on the back as well as inside of your bulletin.
1: Now, let me make this appeal that I often do. If you're sitting on this section, if you'll move to your right, if you're sitting in the center section, move to your left, and then we can get these people who are coming in uh, now some places to be seated, and it sure will help. It sure feels uncomfortable to come and look around and can't find a place to to be seated. Thank you so much. Not long after I moved. Not long after I moved to uh, Durant, we began to uh, look for a minister of Education to lead our church as a, as a minister in the education. And we felt led to call Sam Vinyl and uh, his wife, Joyce. They came here, served with our church, then became the director of missions when Brother Hooper resigned or retired. And now Sam, as you've noticed, is moving on to the convention office. Sam is here today, and I thought it'd be nice for him to uh, express some feelings he has toward you and to this church, and so Sam, come and do this. We appreciate the opportunity to express our, our love and appreciation to you and gratitude for your life and
2: help. Thank you, and I'm glad for this opportunity to uh, tell you thank you for these 12 years of ministry to me and and my family. It's hard to believe that it was 12 years ago that God called us here. And uh, through these years, God has done many things in our lives as he has in your lives. And, And now he's moving us on to some new responsibilities, and we'll be leaving this week to move to Oklahoma City. But uh, it was in March of 1981 that this church called me as Minister of Education and then about three years later, I became Director of Missions. And through these nine years, our children have grown up in this church. And, um, and, and I, I guess I remember most many of the children and youth activities and things and, and the way this church ministered to our children. I think our children have had a head start on the Christian life because of the ministry of this church. And I want to thank you for that, and thank you for your friendship over the years. There's many I see have looked out here that, boy, you've been with us all 12 years, haven't you? And And we've been through a lot together, and God has blessed in so many ways. This is a great church, and I'm going to be looking forward to see what God is going to continue to do in this church in the future way that they have uh, have worked with us through the years and and helped us in so many many ways i think we're fortunate to have here in durant and here in this association a church such as this that god is using in such a mighty way so thank you now we're going to be back from time to time so you're not rid of us completely but uh, but thank you so very much from the bottom of our hearts we love you uh, please keep praying for us as you have in the past, and we'll keep praying for you. Thank you.
3: Holy.
0: join me in prayer. Our most gracious Lord, indeed, you are welcome in this place, not simply in this place, but in our hearts and in our lives. Father, we thank you for this privilege of worship, and Lord, we come with great joy and great anticipation for all that you have for us this morning. And Father, as we receive from you, from the music, from the preaching of your word, from the fellowship with fellow believers, Lord, we just ask that we might also return to you an expression of our love and our gratitude. Father, that we might honor and glorify you. For Lord, we know that you so truly deserve it. Father, we thank you for each individual that's here this morning, for each member, each attender, each guest. Father, we just pray that you would work in and through the hearts and lives of each of us. Show us where we stand in relation to you, almighty God, that we might evaluate our lives. And Father, that we might take those steps that we need to take this morning, Father, to put you in the throne room of our lives father we pray for those that have never accepted you as their personal savior lord we pray that this might be the day that they place their faith in you and accept you father we pray that you'd cause each of us to make those decisions those commitments that we ought that you'd strengthen us because we've gathered together for this time of worship again lord we love you we thank you for this privilege for us in christ's name amen
1: So good to welcome you who are guests with us today and get to know you better. We'd like for you just to remain seated if you're a guest. I got to meet the Macmillan's right here behind Sam and Joyce. You'll need to meet these wonderful people who moved into our community recently and fellowship with one another. It's good to see the Stathans here this morning and, and uh, so many of you who are our guests. We have guests in our house this weekend. A beautiful young lady from Baylor University, Sikkim Bears. And Angie Lane, we're happy to have her. You all want to meet her. Others that are here with us, if you don't mind just remain seated and let us gather around you welcome you. Would you join that? Join me please as we do that. <laughs> still standing some of you would like to come and kneel kneel right here we find our strength in needs that you want to bring place before god here particular the scripture says humble yourself before the mighty hand of the little song we're going to sing is our prayer is lord we worship you mark is going to right away let's lift it up together
3: Lord, Lord, we worship you and adore you, Lord.
1: Sustainer of our life, our Redeemer, we call you. And before you, our need, the need of others, that you will meet every need, cleanse every sin, free of sight to the blind. Oh, that the lame would walk. Prayer today, in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Face the cross, where just all you claim is Inside like the treasures, eternity can be. Receive from Jesus. Save your boat for you. Jesus. Hymn,
0: number 176. Would you turn there, please? And let's sing together, Ferris.
2: And our college students, Father, and thank you for blessing us with such a loving and that we can live through, Father, that we can live by, that you'll make us instruments of your love. And as we take this offering this morning, Father, I ask that you bless it, that we will use it to further your cause, Father, that we'll be able to use it wisely. All these things we ask in your precious name, amen.
1: You to um, invite you to turn to second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We'll going to read verses 22 through 33. Familiar um, chapter. This is not a warm, this is not a leftover Christmas sermon. Those leftovers are over. I was telling people in the early service that um, actually this sermon the Lord laid on my heart one day and I was doing my quiet time, and uh, began reading verse 22, read through 33. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were, were completed, they, Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God, and said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace, according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were said about him. With the coming of the computer age has come a new vocabulary of which I am illiterate. We had this guy not long ago doing a little work on our computer here at the church. He was talking to me about it. I thought he was speaking in tongues. I I never heard those words before. And he was working on it, and he said, oh yes, he said, the printer can't load a macro in the hex-dump mode. And I said, that's exactly what I was afraid of. <laughs> you know, the old printer can't load a macro in the old hex-dump mode. And he, he was using words like modem and, uh, and cursor. I thought cursor was a guy You'd find down at the bar, he, he used terms like megahertz and megabytes. Megahertz, I, I, that's what the Buffalo Bills are gonna put on the Cowboys today, a megahertz. <laughs> now, While he was talking to me about this, this computer, I, I kind of uh, identified with how some people must feel when we lay this religious talk on them that we're famous to do this verbiage we lay on them. You know, like, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Words like justification and sanctification. Even the word salvation is totally foreign to some people, and the term being saved means different, a different thing to some than others. I was, had a revival in my church one time, and an evangelist went with me to talk to this man. I would visited with him before, and I was pretty certain he was not a Christian. And we were talking to him there in his living room and and the evangelist said, we came to ask you, sir, have you ever been saved? He said, oh yes. He said, I've been saved. God has saved me. And the evangelist looked at me like I'd given him the wrong information. So I said, you know, I'm sorry. He said, I said, uh, you know, I didn't know that. Tell, tell me about it. He said, well, I was working out in West Texas, he said, in the oil patch. And he said, we, Set up one day to, to drill a well. And he said, we lifted up one of these big booms and it came in contact with a high voltage wire. He said, the guy working right beside me was killed instantly. He said the impact of that threw me out in the, on the ground. He said, I was saved. He said, I know that God saved me because he said it was a miracle. I should be dead. He said, Yeah, God has saved me. Well, it's obvious that the salvation he was talking about was different than the salvation we were talking about. What does it mean, this word salvation, that is used in this text? Well, in the simplest form, it it means to be delivered or rescued from some peril or danger. To the bestowment of good in the widest sense of that term, as man has capacity to receive and God has wealth to bestow. It's both negative and positive. It's to be saved from something to something. And it embraces all the tenses. It means that I have been saved and I am being saved and I will be saved. Now this text this morning has some historical background. There's this old man who hung around the temple and he was waiting. And he, he said, let me die now because mine eyes have seen the eye sticks of that. I want to point out this morning. His salvation is a... Pre- the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before. Infinite wisdom knew that man would sin before He ever created him. In the heart of man, forgiveness was in the heart of God. And so, we've learned that there are some laws that govern the universe. These laws, laws. One of them is the law of provision. Now, the law of provision is. We've seen that in creation. He created water before He created a fish. Mr. Trout, here's a Mr. Bass here this morning, <laughs> get you some water. He knew that fish couldn't live without water. Before he created love, and before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. Before there was ever crunching of the forbidden fruit was echoing through the garden, Jesus. Interesting verse of scripture that I want you to look at right quickly. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 26. Now Hebrews is a book over near the end of the New Testament. So if you can find Begin verse 25, read 25 and 26. Speaking, save forever those who draw near to God. For it was fitting that we should have such a... Exalted above the heavens. Now the, there's an interesting play on words there. and That word feast as this was exactly suited to our needs. Does in fact fit our condition. What he's saying is, is that this... Have you, ever got, have you ever bought a tailor-made suit? Now this is where the analogy breaks down because if you got a tailor-made suit when, you were, when I was 20 years old, was 28, my waistline now is none of your business. Now, is, is, that, is that what was... What was needed by aid was tailor-made for you then. And what you need today is tailor-made for your needs. What Jeremiah is talking about when he said, The compassions of God never fail, and His grace is faithful, for they are renewed every morning. Tailor-made just for your needs. Now, not only was this salvation prepared for you, He prepared you for the salvation For the consummate desire of God for every man is, is that he embrace his Son. He come to know his Son. It may surprise you. But the consummate desire of God for your life is not that you be healthy or happy or successful. The consummate desire of God for every life is that they might come to know his Son. So that may explain the mystery of your life for every tear that was ever shed, every prayer that was ever prayed, every failure, every mistake, every victory, everything that was ever done in your life up to now and in this moment is in order that you might come to know His Son. That explains why that person moved in next door to you at the dorm. When I was working on this sermon, I remember that girl I met in Mildon Hall, England. I was doing a revival over in the... Air Base, American Air Base, near the little village of Mildenhall. And I was walking around this little village one day looking for souvenirs, and I saw this sign that said "Carpenter Shop. I thought it would be a place where you go in and buy something, you know, for the house. I went in there, and it was a religious bookstore. And I was walking around this, browsing around this bookstore, and I, the lady was there, it was just two of us, the lady was the clerk and, and myself, and she started talking to me, and for some, some reason, reason, she she recognized I was from the south, in Texas or Oklahoma, and she said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Oklahoma. She said, well, what are you doing over here? I said, well, I'm preaching a a, a series of revival meetings, of religious meetings out near the air base at the Sedgefin Baptist Church. She said, oh, I know that church. She said, I go there some. She said, I'll come in here. You're going to have services tonight? I said, yes, I'll be there. I said, well, it's obvious that you're from here. Tell me your story. She said, well, my story is a long story. She said, I married an American airman. I'm from this area. She said, I married an Air- American airman, and I went back to the States with him. He said, we wound, She said, we wound up in San Francisco. And she said, we had three children. Then her eyes began to cloud up. She started to cry. She said, my marriage failed. My children became rebellious. She said, one of my sons went off and joined a cult group. I haven't heard from him since and she said when my marriage failed it got so miserable for me said I decided I'd come home and so I got on a plane and I came over here and she said I started to work out the airbase in a civil service job she said I was partying every night jumping from one bed out of one bed into another bed and out of that bed into another bed she said one night I was at a club with this man and we were drinking and dancing she said when he got up to to dance with my friend. She said, I was just sitting there, and I was miserable. And she said, I decided I was going to get out of there, so I called a taxi, and I went to my apartment. She said, I walked into my apartment and sat down, and I, after sobbing for a while, I said to the walls, Walls? Oh, God, if there is a God of these walls, I need help. And she said, all of a sudden, there's this peace came over me. She said, the next day when I went to work, my boss met the door and said, I've transferred you to another another place, to another position. And she said, I was a little bit upset about it at first, but it was a raise and it was a promotion. So she said, I I went in and I took my place at my desk and there was another guy sitting beside me and said, he started talking to me. He said, I thought he was coming on to me like all the guys did. He said, you know what he was? He was a religious fanatic. She said, he started talking to me about Jesus. That all he did was talk about Jesus. Every day he'd talk to me about Jesus. She said, finally, one day, in the quietness of my own heart, I embraced Jesus Christ as my Savior. She said, you know what, Pastor? I'm absolutely convinced that God brought me back to this place and moved that guy on the, t- moved me in that place where that guy was sitting at the next desk because he had salvation prepared for me and me for salvation. It's a salvation that's prepared. It's a salvation that is personal. Now what... The Gentiles or whatever nation we're talking about or whatever congregation we're talking about, salvation happens one person at a time in a personal way what he meant when he said I have seen the consolation of Israel was this is that salvation comes through the person of Jesus Christ it's not the keeping of rules and regulations and days and festivals Paul says it's coming to know Jesus as your personal Savior And if I'm being saved today, then I must be being saved. I must live the Christian life the same way as I encountered the Christian life in the first place by my faith in Jesus Christ. When I first started preaching, my sermons were based on a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. One day it just occurred to me, I wasn't even living up to my own preaching. And I made this discovery that salvation in its in its sphere of influence and power is based upon our trust in Jesus Christ. I place my faith in His work, in His power, His grace. Let me tell you the difference between the world's religion and the Christian religion. The world's religion is a religion of do, do this, don't do that. The Christian religion is a religion of done, D-O-N-E. I have placed my faith in what he has done. It's a personal thing. It can only only be that. For two reasons. It can only be by faith, Paul says, that it might be in accordance with grace, that the promise might be guaranteed to all who are of the faith of Abraham. It can only be that way for two reasons. One is because salvation is global and universal. It must be available to everybody. Now listen to me. If salvation is only for the intellectuals, that would exclude Dwight L. Moody. He had a third grade education. But if salvation was only for the ignorant, that excludes Spurgeon. He had an education in the classics. If salvation is only for white folks, that excludes George Washington Carver and Martin Luther King, Jr. But if salvation is just for black folks, that excludes Billy Graham. If salvation is only for the Jews, that excludes Gerald Tidwell. But if salvation's only for the Gentiles, that excludes most of the apostles and most of the leaders of the first century church. It's for all men. It can only be by grace through faith because it's available to every man. And it's accessible, it must be accessible to every man. Now listen to me carefully. There's some people who believe that you have to be baptized in order to have salvation. But what if you were in the middle of the Sahara Desert and you stumbled over a track and that track introduced Jesus Christ to you. And you thought, well I've got to be baptized in order to be saved. And you looked around all you saw was desert. And some folks believe that in order to be saved you have to be a member of a certain denomination. But what if you're in the jungles of Africa and you suddenly stumble on some kind of message and you want to become a Christian and you look around there's no church, just jungle and leaves and bushes and monkeys and snakes. And There's some people say that you can't be saved unless you keep the law. But I remind you that Adam and Eve lived in a perfect environment and they couldn't keep it. Hear me now, I want you to get this. If your salvation is, doesn't work in any and every conceivable situation of life, it's not His salvation. Christmas Evans said, I could take a man, wrap him up in chains, put him in a rain barrel, seal the top of it, knock one of the knot holes out, and shout the plan of salvation to him. He can be saved in that rain barrel. It's accessible to every man because it's personal, it's a promised salvation. Now this guy hung around the the temple, he lauded around the temple and hung around Jerusalem for years. Why? Because he'd been promised that his eyes would see, he would see the salvation of God. That's a promise made to all men. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ lived his life in this earth, do you realize this? He fulfilled over 300 promises promises or prophecies about him. He fulfilled over 300 prophecies about him. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the theme of every book in the Bible. And you'll find him in every book of the Old Testament. You say, you mean Jesus is in the Old Testament? That's right, he is. And when Nicodemus came to Jesus one night and inquired to him about the new birth, Jesus answered in a kind of an incredulous way. He said, you mean that you're a teacher of the Jews and you haven't seen me in your law? You mean you know the Old Testament and you hadn't discovered me there? It was like it was baffling to him. He's, on, he's in every book. Before you get off the first page of the first book in the Old Testament, you find him. And God said to Eve, I'll put enmity between you, seed and the serpent's seed. You'll bruise his heel, he'll bruise your head. He's talking about Jesus there. And when man discovered that he was naked, he covered himself with leaves. And God made a provision for a covering for man. He killed an animal. There had to be a sacrifice and blood. He took the skins and covered man's nakedness. That's what the New Testament word propitiation means, covering. He's right there. He's the ark through which Noah and his family were delivered. He's the bread that was rained down in the book of Exodus from heaven. He said he was, and he's the water that gushes out of the rock in the desert. And when they rebelled against God, later as they wandered in the wilderness, Moses put a serpent on a pole and held it outside the camp for people to look unto and be saved. And Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he's the Joshua that led, his people into the land of Canaan. In fact, the word Joshua, Jesus, is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Joshua. And when Job asked for that daysman to stand between God and and himself and plead his case, He was talking about some mediator. And Paul says there's one mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's in Job. And when you look in Solomon and all of his glory, Jesus said, greater than Solomon is here. And he talked about the the, uh, sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man must be in the earth for three days. He's the babe of Micah. He's He's the Emmanuel of Isaiah 7, he's the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And when you get over to Zechariah and he talks about the king coming riding on the donkey, the foal of a donkey, he's talking about Jesus. I tell you, he's in every book of the Old Testament. And when he came, he just fulfilled the promises that he was coming. Now, how do you, what do you think the chances are that a person would live in his lifetime and fulfill over 300 promises? What do you think the chances are of that happening? Let me tell you. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know what the chances are that a person would fulfill over 300 promises or prophecies concerning his life? One chance in eight times one, eight times ten raised to the 132nd power. I got a note right over there from the first service that says, Remember, Gerald, that you did that wrong. So I did it right. <laughs> True story. Laying right on, right on my chair there. says, Gerald, you did that wrong. Boy, oh, I appreciate it. Keeping me aligned. Keeping me now, now let, me shift, see if I can, let me see if I can put that in a figure. The chances for, of a person fulfilling 300 promise, prophecies or prophecies concerning his life before he ever came to this earth are one in eight times one and 132 zeros after it. That's phenomenal. Jesus is the promised salvation. He's prepared. He's personal. He's promised. This salvation, finally, is perceptible. You can perceive it. You can see it. I love it. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and said, I have seen Thy salvation, I'm ready to die. I'm here to tell you, salvation can be seen. Now what he was talking about is that you can see it in the person of Jesus Christ, but I want to talk to you about something else. You can see his salvation in the lives of the people who know that salvation personally. In fact, if there is no evidence of your salvation, it's not his salvation. It's, you can see it, and you can see the evidence of it. Examples of that evidence. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, "You hear this? You hear the wind? You, 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 but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. You hear the sound of it. Such is he that is born of the Spirit." What he was saying is this: You can't see the wind, but you can see what it does and where it's been. Now Paul says that a person who has not the Spirit of God is none of his. So what he meant was that if a person has, when you put those together, when a person who has the Spirit of God in his life as a believer, you're going to be able to see the evidence of that. You're going to see where, it's, where it is and what it does. If there is no evidence, there is no salvation. Is a marriage that's reasonably good. And what he's saying is, in a chapel, he said, Mine is. And he he was, God was serious. And I I said, Come here, is your marriage perfect? And she said, Yes. I'm thinking, Wow. Not be perfect. (laughs) The best witness that a couple can give, but there ought to be evidences of some kind of difference in your marriage if you're a believer. Some evidence in your life if you have salvation, if you've Found the Christ. It was a found in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, and there was this guy there, crippled. For them to trial for it, they put him in jail because of that healing. Now you need to know something about this. They might not believe in the Holy Spirit, and so here was this. They took they took these men and threw them in jail, going to silence them because what they were saying. What he must have had a creed that went like this: We don't believe in the miraculous, or just with facts. And I think that these Sadducees had a meeting after this in the miraculous. We don't believe in any of that stuff, and everybody was satisfied with that, but there was an ask a question, so he lifted his hand, and the rookie said, I believe exactly what you say. Oh, that's, that's foolishness. But what are we going to do with this in him? For in their midst was the presence irrefutable evidence. Now listen to me very carefully. Irrefutable evidence has irrefutable evidence, displays the of God, or there's no salvation. Now what are the... Do you think selfish love is another? A young lady, one day she had a brain aneurysm, pow, consciousness. She couldn't talk, she couldn't open her eyes. Doctors theorized that she could neither hear nor speak nor see assigned nurses to take care of her horrible was this thing they had to go and one of the nurses said we had to completely detach ourselves from our job or we'd knowing that she didn't hear didn't respond in any way came around to Thanksgiving I'm so glad I wasn't off on Thanksgiving because I'm glad I get to to spend Thanksgiving focused right on her and big old tears were pouring out of her that's the evidence I'm talking about and when George Matheson dressed, when he got there, she was gone. She'd moved. But he tracked her down. Bro, guy, you cannot listen to Matheson preach. And still, and the hymn writer puts it like this. Down in the human heart, crushed. I'm talking to most of us this morning. One invitation for you this morning is to come if you've never found a member of the church. You may be a good person. Have you ever come, have you ever... This day for you. The second invitation is for the condition people can see the Lord in your life. Maybe do that. After we've had prayer, Mark will lead our song. And you've brought into our experience so many things that point to the fact that you, we know Jesus Christ personally. For you to come and place your faith, counting on Jesus Christ and what He's done, recommit your life to Christ or to join this church. While we stand to sing on the it, you'll sing it with us now here's the invitation to come to know Christ as personal Savior is to experience good in its widest sense good as man is able to receive it and God is able to give it abundant life eternal life come to that place today where you can place your trust in him would you Or maybe as Joelle has done today, to come and place her life in our church. You want to do that. Or to recommit your life to Christ. While we sing these two stanzas, we'll wait, then we're through. You come, would you? Come quickly. You please, let me tell you about these who've come. I know that you've um, heard about the change in uh, time today. We're going to have baptism today, at, and we'll start our service exactly at 4 o'clock with, bab- with, a, with our baptism service. And then we'll be out of here at uh, 5 o'clock. Plenty of time for you to uh, have, your, have the group over to your place or whatever you plan to do. Today But let me tell you about these who have come. This is uh, Joel McClure is the director of our preschool here in, in, in our church. Joel comes on Promise of Letter from the sister church in, here in town. and Melissa Hokut. is it Hokut? Come here, Melissa, dear. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Melissa visited with me after church, and she said, "I've been saved, but I've never been baptized." And she said, "I want to be baptized. She's the one we're going to have baptism for tonight." And she wants us, she's from a background that's not Baptist, so she wants to be in watch care in our church as she, you know, finds out what we believe and what we, how we do it and all that kind of thing. we're so happy for, for both of you, Melissa and, and Joelle, and for Missy's wonderful decision today, prayer request. So grateful that God has touched the, the heart of these and that they have been obedient to it. And we'll welcome them. And we do it. Let's do it. And we welcome we do this is a great day God bless you let's stand and we'll be dismissed and you'll want to come by and, and let them know Melissa Joelle and uh, greet them as a family family man this is Liz standing down here with her friend okay Andy come voice I pray would you let's
0: pray
2: Lord we thank you for this day and pray that our hearts will just be in continual worship of your son Jesus Christ. And that we would just be continually reflecting that in all that we do and all that we say. Leading others to the knowledge that Jesus died for us and and rose again so that we might have new life. We pray this in Christ's name.